Welcome to episode 70 of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Well, everybody, for this episode, we're bringing back the roundtable format, and we're talking today about firsts in music, first shows, first music purchases, first bands that you liked, all of the firsts that a music fan experiences in their journey through being a music fan. Joining me on this episode are Charlie Greaves and Eli Engling, and you'll hear more about them as the show progresses. Uh, before we get into the show, though, I just wanted to let everyone know here in the intro, uh, making some changes to to the podcast in the sense of uh, we're still going to be I'm still going to be uploading it to all of the same channels and places that I always have. But I'm going to really try and, and, and make this, you know, this is I've always said this, that, you know, sort of happens in its own time. And it's something that I do when I have time to do it. But I really want to get this out there more. And so one of the things that we're doing for that is going to try and get the podcast on Spotify in the right way. So there's going to be, moving forward, I think there's going to be sort of two versions of the show. There's going to be one that I edit and include a couple of songs in. And then there's going to be one specifically made for Spotify that integrates the tools that they have to make sure that any songs that are used in the show are properly credited to and monetized by the artists that make those songs. You also may notice in the future some changes to the logo of the show and some changes to the... Uh, you know, getting additional people sort of involved in the production of the show. And this is all to, to really... You know, it's been five years of doing this show, and it's been great, but I really want to see if we can't make it more than it has been. And so we're going to try all this stuff out and see how it works. Uh, you guys let me know what you think of the sort of some of the new things. Let me know if there's any changes that you think should be made to that format or those tools. And, and we'll see where things go. So before we get into the start of our roundtable conversation about music firsts, I am going to have a song playing for you that is the first artist that I ever saw in concert uh, or went to go see in concert. Technically wasn't the first live musician I saw because there was an opening act, but my first concert, as you'll hear in the discussion, and you may have heard in the past, was Weird Al Yankovic. And so he was touring for the album Running With Scissors at the time, and one of the singles from that album is this, the song All About the Pentiums. So I'm going to play that for you, and then we're going to get right into our conversation with Charlie and Eli. It's all about the Pentiums, baby. Upgrade my system at least twice a day I'm strictly plug and play uh-huh. I ain't afraid of Y2K 
I'm down with Bill Gates, I call him money for short. Yeah. I phone him up at home, man, I make him do my tech support. It's, it's all about the premiums. What? You gotta what? be the dumbest newbie I've ever seen. Uh. You've got white out all over your screen. You think your Commodore 64 is really neato? What kind of chip you got in there, a Dorito? You're using a 286, don't make me laugh. Your window boots up in what, a day and a half? You could back up your whole hard drive on a floppy diskette. You're the biggest joke on the internet. Your database is a disaster. Your wax and your modem trying to make it go faster. Hey fella, I bet you're still living in your parents' cellar. Downloading pictures of Sarah Michelle Geller and posting me too like some brain dead AOLA. I should do the world a favor and cap you like old Yella. You're just about as useless as JPEGs to Helen Keller. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am here for the first time in a long time doing one of the roundtable podcasts. I've got a couple of guests with me today, and today we're going to talk about musical firsts, first shows, first purchases, first bands that you liked. Joining me today is Charlie. They can't see you. Say hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and Eli. Howdy. So a little background because you guys are new voices on the podcast. Charlie and I have sort of known each other for a long time through the Ren Fair, but have only just really become friends over the last, you know, couple of years and only really started hanging out more frequently over the last six or seven months. And Eli, you and I met Ren Fair as well, and we hung out a couple times, you know, with Charlie in that same sort of time period of the last few months. So I don't know if you guys want to tell everybody a bit about yourselves before we get into the topic at hand or. Uh, I mean. I think the Ren Fair tackles that, and just like I, yeah, I, I'm a music <laughs> listener. I don't know. Like I go to Ren Fair, so you can guess what kind of person I am. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of like. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so that applies to you know when I when I had uh, Matt Young on the show years ago, you know I had said to him, 
you know everybody everybody that goes to Ren Fair is is a big fucking nerd. So other than Ren Fair, what is your nerdy thing? And and that was that was sort of a, a whole a whole thing that that he and I went off on. But that that seems to be the you know people that that go to or work at the Renaissance Fair are giant fucking nerds. Yeah, it it kind of tells you basically what you're dealing with of the kind of chaotic person. Like you work at a Ren Fair, all right? You're slightly insane. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so. You guys have only both, I would imagine, started going. Well, Charlie, I know Eli. I'm not entirely sure, but you guys have only really started going to concerts and stuff somewhat recently. I actually have been going to concerts since 2016. I just okay. like I there was the gap between 2020 and now because of the world events of the time. <laughs> but my first concert, yeah, it was it was either 2016 or 2017, I think. No, it was 2017. I'm just insane. It was like you work at Renfair. <laughs> yeah, because I work at Renfair. It was February of of 2017. I went to see Moose Blood, and the openers were A Will Away, Boston Manor, and Trophy Eyes. And I only went because my cousin was like, "Hey, me and my friend are going to this thing." did you want to go? And I was like, well, can I bring one of my friends? And she was like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Do you have the money for a ticket? And I was like, yeah. So we ended up going. It was in Philly at the Theater of the Living Arts. And since then, I have been obsessed with going to Gen Admission concerts. I love going. I love going insane at them. It's so much fun. Okay, so I'm not familiar. I had to pull up. I'm not familiar with with the band, but according to Wikipedia, Moose Blood were an English emo band based in Canterbury, Kent. They formed in 2012 and were signed to Hopeless Records. It looks like they went on hiatus in 2018. Again, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. All the right. Disappointment in your voice about that hiatus. <laughs> it's like, like they went on hiatus for like, they dropped their second or their third album, and it didn't go as well as the previous two albums so they were like kind of bummed and then their drummer got a bunch of essay accusations and so he left the band and then they were like actually this sucks so they just stopped writing music I think one of the members does his own thing now but it's just like they stopped being a band because they weren't really digging it which happens sometimes Boston Manor and Trophy Eyes though they're Trophy Eyes is, I'm not like super into their new stuff, but Boston Manor keeps releasing nothing but bangers. I would love to see them headline a show. They keep coming up on uh, Octane recently, and I've been enjoying that. Because the they're good. I've been hearing. Yeah. Looking up Boston Manor as well, because again, that name I'm not familiar with. They're also, I want to, they're not from Wrexham. No. Neck Deep is from Wrexham. Okay, wait, that's not a band. That is some sort of architecture. Let's find the band. <laughs> yeah, there's there's Boston Manor, the manor, and Boston Manor, the band. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's, I I'm reading manor it, I was like, what the hell? Boston yeah. Manor. It's like, Boston Manor is an English Jacobean manor house. I was like, no, that's not what we're looking for. Boston Manor, a British rock band formed in Blackpool, Lancashire, England in March 2013. Okay. They've got a whole, like, their second full length was like a whole concept album about their hometown and like the problems with 
Blackpool and stuff like like addiction and gang issues and and stuff like that. But it's mad good. Again, I don't think I could pick a favorite out of any of Boston Manor's stuff because I love it all. Okay. All right. And then, I mean, Charlie, I am familiar with it, but what was your uh, first show? My first show was back in November of 2021, and it was uh, the in-between tour, which was a co-headliner between Blackfell Brides and In This Moment, with their opener was a band called Dead. And it was a very impulsive decision for me to go. I literally think I decided to go to the show a week before because I got really, really emotional over the passing of a friend, and I got real impulsive because of that. And... I decided to get over my massive fear of going to concerts that I'd had for like a decade. And I was just like, well, who wants to go with me? And my uh, my friend Ren went with me. And it was really, really fun. But anyone who talks to me for more than five minutes about music will know that Black Pump Bride is my all-time favorite band. And I love them a lot. <laughs> and so it was really fun going there. But I was not familiar at all with the other two bands. But at this point, I've seen the other two bands again and really enjoy them. So that was fun. But it was... It was definitely an interesting experience for someone who had had a massive fear of concerts and then like just impulsively was like, let's go to a concert. <laughs> so Yeah. And, and I, I, I've told you this before, but it, it, it was so weird months before I had gotten offered tickets to that show and it was not explained to me that in this moment was going to be there. And I was not a fan of Black Veil Brides at the time. And so I was like, meh, I don't think I want to go to that. And uh, and wound up volunteering to work. And then you were like, oh, we're going. And I really wanted to go with you because you were going, but then couldn't because That's I had to work. That's when and, you wanted to work. <laughs> well, you know, adult responsibilities like having a house and children <laughs> and all of that bullshit. Yeah, but you know, we have since uh, I mentioned the other day, we've since been able to see all of those bands together at other shows, so that was cool. But so my first show, I don't know, if I've told you guys, my first show was back in 2000. I saw Weird Al Yankovic, and he played at the Morristown Community Theater. Now at the time, the tickets were like 30 or 35 dollars. Now to see Weird Al is the most absurdly expensive thing I've seen in quite some time. And there was some like local Destiny's Child like girl group called Missing Romeo as the openers. That's a pretty great name though. And like they were, you know, for what they were, they were pretty good. And I remember me and my friends that, that like we didn't listen to that kind of music at all, but it's like, ah, oh, they're they're probably gonna be huge and then we never heard about them again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that kind of sucks for them. Do you do you remember what month you saw them? I think it was in November because my friend Chris, uh, his parents got him the tickets for his birthday and told him that he could bring two friends. By the way, shout out to Chris O'Mealy of the uh, Club Kayfabe creative community. But uh, yeah, his parents took him for his birthday and told him he could bring a couple friends. And so me and this other kid he was friends with who were both into Weird Al, uh, he invited us along. And in fact, the only reason I was allowed to go was because it was Weird Al and Chris's parents were going to be there. For the longest time, my dad did not let me go to concerts because, quote, I was going to die in a mosh pit. That's what I thought was going to happen to me. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, it's Weird Al. There's probably not even going to be a mosh pit. Like, we've got seats. Like, his parents are going to be there. You know, there was all these reasons why my dad, you know, couldn't say no. So I was allowed to go to that. 
And then I didn't go to another show for a year because I just kept asking permission and getting told no. And I got tired of asking permission and getting told no because at that point I was driving. So my first like rock show was Godsmack, Deftones, and Puddle of Mud. And when I told my parents, I said, I'm going to them. My dad's like, no, you're not. I was like, no, no, I wasn't asking your permission i was letting you know where i'm going to be on such and such a date like we already have the tickets and we're going and so it was me and my girlfriend at the time who was insane and johnny who has been one of my best friends since uh, since high school who charlie you've, you've had yeah johnny's great now the and, question uh, was was there a mosh pit at weird L show no, no. I didn't think so, but it'd be funny if there was. <laughs> I mean, I would think that, like, if it was in a in a GA setting, uh, you know, that maybe during some of the heavier song, like 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 doing like the Nirvana parodies and stuff, maybe. But they're just the the place where it was. It was impossible to do. You know, it was like movie theater style seats in the whole yeah. place. So not so. Not to make you feel ancient, but by the time that you were seeing Weird Al, my mom was five months pregnant with me. I was not <laughs> even born yet. <laughs> I was at least born. So. Yeah, Charlie's <laughs> got a leg up on me. Charlie was like walking, maybe. Uh, I think I was still falling down the stairs on purpose at that time. <laughs> falling down the stairs on purpose? Bro! <laughs> I thought it was really fun as a, to- a toddler to try and roll down the stairs because I thought, what what's the worst that could happen? Because I was a toddler, which is why I have a scar on my face from my cat trying to stop me from doing that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was almost blind in my left eye because of my cat being like, no, idiot, don't you go should up the stairs. You stop <laughs> falling down the stairs. Did I ever tell you that I broke my like wrist falling down the stairs? When I, was I like, don't know how I didn't. I was like three and I broke my wrist and then I got it in a cast. And three weeks later, I came up to my mom and I said, hey, mom, look what I did. And I held the cast up like off of my hand. <laughs> and the doctor was like, well, like if it's not hurting her, it's fine. Like if it does continue to hurt, like bring her in. But, you know, she's got young bones. That's just how that's just what they do. <laughs> um. Never I'm also broken remember- anything. Really? 38 years old. I've never broken anything. I've yeah, broken- you got a leg up on me. I'm only at 22 and I uh, still haven't broken anything. I've broken both of my wrists and both of my feet. Bro. At the same time? Uh, No, not at the same time. I was three when I broke my right wrist. I was in like second or third grade when I broke my left wrist. That one, <laughs> that's kind of funny because I was like in Ohio when it happened because I got family in Ohio. And I was swinging on my grandmother's rope swing, uh, and I fell, and the tree that the swing was on was on a hill, so it was, like, already just a, a deeper drop. Uh, and I fell, like, landed on my wrist, broke my wrist, and I kind of sat there, and I didn't move. And my cousin was like, hey, what are you doing? And, like, laughed. And then he heard me cry, and he was like, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> And since we were in Ohio, we like our insurance didn't cover anything out there. <laughs> and we couldn't cut the trip short because we like spent a lot of money on it. So my aunt had to splint my arm and wrap it in ace bandage for the rest of the like week and a half that I was there. <laughs> That's brutal. Bro, I don't know how you're still held together. You might as well be held together by duct tape. 
I literally am. And then in like freshman year, I was walking backwards on a football field. I stepped on one of my feet and then I fell into a backwards roll, but it was enough to break, to like give me a, a micro fracture in my foot. And so I was out of marching band for a few weeks because I had to be in a boot. And then that same year during winter guard, I broke my other foot and I could tell because it was swollen the same way that that foot, that the original foot was. And it like hurt the exact same way, but I didn't want to be out of guard. So I didn't tell anybody. And, you know, I don't think I have any problems, but like, I don't know. I don't know you very well, but I would imagine you have some sort of problems. Like, like yeah, with my foot, with my foot. I mean, <laughs> I got, I got, tons of problems separately but like with my foot i don't think i have any any problems from not telling anybody so because you guys are younger things might be different as far as because people don't really buy cds anymore like i have had the experience here you know where with with like the first cds that i owned were not ones that were anything I particularly wanted to listen to. It was just like my parents or grandparents like gifted me thing. And I don't know if you guys have had that that experience because of the way yeah. that things have, have changed. But like technically the first CD that I ever owned was a Garth Brooks CD. And that's because my parents were super into Garth Brooks and bought me a Discman for my birthday one year, and that was the CD that they gave me with it. I was like, oh, cool, the new Garth Brooks album. (laughs) So I don't remember if I had any CDs before I bought my first CD way back in 2011, so I was 10. And I, I know this is like one of the memories that like shapes me fundamentally. Um, since like this this first CD of mine, I have like taken CDs from my parents. Like I have like two of their Nickelback CDs. I have my mom's pink CD, pink and Avril Lavigne CDs. Um, and I think I, I took their Soul Asylum CD. I actually stole cassettes from them the other day. Don't tell them. Uh, I stole like a Jethro Tull cassette and a Janis Joplin cassette. But that's not what we're worried about. Um, I remember the day because it was also one of my like childhood friends birthdays. Uh, But it was October 11th, 2011. And we were down in North Carolina visiting my family members. Charlie has met these family members. Um, Chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. We were visiting Uncle Brian and Aunt Nancy Ann and unfortunately also my grandfather because he kind of sucks, but he's never going to see this. So what is he going to do? But I remember because I had woken up that day and I was like, Mom, can we please, 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 please go to Walmart today? Please, Mom, please. The new Evanescence album is being released and I need to get it because... Evanescence was like the first band that I had found on my own by myself. And so naturally I became obsessed with them, but they had gone on hiatus in like 2006. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm never really going to get anything else. You know, I don't think that they are ever going to come back. And then in like 2010, they dropped a single and they were like, hey, we're releasing a new album next year. And I was like, this is everything I could have hoped for. 
oh my God, mom, please take me to Walmart so I can buy this new album. And I had money that was given to me by my grandparents. So I was able to go to Walmart and I was able to buy it with my own money. But my mom was like, hey, I need to pick up cough syrup as well. So just get it in this purchase. And I wanted to be the one to give the cashier money. And because I was like 10 at the time, she scanned both things and she was like, okay, you can't buy this. You're not 18. And because I was 10, I thought she was talking about the Evanescence album. And I was ready to have a full blown, like freak out in the store of like, oh my God, what do you mean? I can't buy it. And my mom was like, oh shit, that's right. The cough syrup. Sorry. (laughs) And she like gave the cashier the money and her ID. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, it's the cough syrup. Okay, I can, can I can listen to this Evanescence album. It's fine. And then I put it on it in the car ride home. I was like in the back seat too, because this was before my mom would like let me sit in the front. But I was in the back seat, and my mom was just like, "I guess I have to listen to this now." Like I don't really mind because I don't mind Evanescence. I think that they're a pretty good band. But you know, if it were up to me, I'd be putting on the radio. And I'm like sitting there having a spiritual experience because this is like my first ever CD from the first ever band that I found for myself. And I'm like, I have to go like deal with my family members, but oh my God, at least I get to listen to at least like three tracks off of it first. It was insane. I remember. I don't remember mine that clearly. Wow. (laughs) Mine is between two CDs. And I don't remember if I bought them at the same, like the same time. Like, I don't remember which one was first, but it's either the volume one of Glee, which didn't make that much of an effect on me, or it was Paramore's All We Know Is Falling. And I remember buying that because I remember finding it in the clearance bin of FYE back when they still had, like, the big clearance bins. And I remember the plastic was not wrapped well because it was, like, a used copy. So it was, like, three bucks. It was super cheap. But uh, it was, like, it, it was all but in a Ziploc bag. Like, it was just moving around. It was so bad. But I remember getting that. And the reason I wanted it is because I was, like, digging through the clearance bin because I used to do that when my parents were, like, doing other things that I didn't want to like they were like at Barnes and Noble or Borders and I was like I don't want to do that so I'd go to FYE and I'd dig through the clearance bin and my sister would just be like yeah I guess um but I remember I found it and the reason I wanted to buy it because this was not the year it came out because it came out in 2005 this had to be at least 2009 because Glee came out in 2009 but I was looking for it and I found it and I was like oh I know this band because my sister had had a copy of Paramore's Brand New Eyes and I was like I liked that album and so I got this one they don't sound the same by the way if you're not familiar with Paramore but I did like All We Know Is Falling more so I got that and I remember on the drive home from the mall I had like a mobile CD player that I could plug my headphones into and listen to. And I remember sitting in the car. That was like the beginning of my like emo kid era of like, I'm going to put my hoodie up with my headphones in and I'm going to ignore everybody in the car. That was the first time I really did that. (laughs) But it's fun though, because I just actually, I'm waiting for the pre-order at the moment because the uh, Fueled by Ramen's 25th anniversary happened. So they re-released that on vinyl in a silver pressing that I pre-ordered back in February. And it keeps being shifted. Right now, we're waiting until September for it because vinyl's <laughs> super back-ordered right now. But that's like the first one I remember buying 
because again it was like three dollars hell i might have even like found quarters on the floor to pay for it i i've done that before (laughs) that was the thing i used to do when my parents would like go do errands at the mall i'd pick up all the change on the floor and then i'd go see what i could get at fye in the clearance bin i got some weird cds that way i think that's how i got my first marilyn manson cd (laughs) which one was that my mom bought me one too what what was your first manson cd uh, it was either the Golden Age of Grotesque or Antichrist Superstar, and I can't remember which one I got first because I got them close together. Okay. But those two I have, and then because, my mom has the greatest hits that I used to listen to. Okay, because both of the that's both of those are older than well, not both of them are older than you. Antichrist is for sure, but Golden Age that was that was 03. That was when I saw him at the Ozfest. I wish I could have seen him in his peak. <laughs> Well, I told you the story. I'll tell it again for the podcast, and I've, I've probably told it on the podcast before, but Marilyn Manson at the OzFest in 2003 was one of the headlining acts on the main stage, and because he was touring Golden Age of the, the Grotesque, his stage show was the Grotesque Burlesque Tour, and so there was a point in the set where he had these girls come out that were wearing nothing but like thigh-high stockings and boots and nothing else vibes <laughs> and the one girl just got on all fours in front of him and he took his microphone it was a wireless mic and he just stuck the back end of the microphone into the girl's vagina and then started singing into the other end of it <laughs> you know honestly that is amazing i wish i could have seen that but the idea that i was like three years old at that point is a little cringe but <laughs> cringe that you were three <laughs> yeah would you believe that even Marilyn Manson was three once? <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He just went no, right was, from two to four. He was still he was still Brian Warner at three years old. <laughs> so I would say that the, the for for purchasing the first CD that I purchased that wasn't bought for me because there was other weird shit that was bought for me. My grandma liked to buy stuff from like the church bookstore, so I had like Amy Grant CDs in in my collection at one point because that was just what grandma bought but the first cds that i ever bought for myself were i had gotten a i had gotten a gift card or something to the music store that was in the rockaway mall at the time it was called the wall before it eventually got taken over by fye and so i had bought this was like 90 98 maybe and so i bought what was then the latest metallica album which was reload and i bought a weird al cd from the 80s i think it was I think it was Weird Al in 3D because I the dumbest thought. I was like, did 3D exist in the 80s? Yes, the fuck it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had you had that real you had the real shitty 3D in the 80s. That's you know, uh, who was it? The third, the third Friday the 13th was supposed to be in yeah. 3D, and I think that the third Jaws was in 3D. The, I actually have the third, like I have all the Friday the 13th movies, but I the, I have the third one in 3D and. The glasses are so dark that even though it's 3D, it feels like you can't see a thing. <laughs> Is it like the red and blue, like, little cardboard ones? Yeah, actually, would you believe me if I told you that it's, like, the, the little cardboard is, like, has the hockey mask design on it? <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I had a Barbie movie that had the magic Pegasus designs all over it for the 3D. <laughs> Yo, that sounds sick. I still have it. Oh my god. <laughs> I love Barbie. I'm not even kidding. I love Barbie movies. 
they do slap. They got some real good storylines. Like, I'm, like, here all, like, edgy and punk now, but, bro, when I was a kid, my best friend was Barbie. (laughs) I feel like I read somewhere that they're coming out with, like, a live-action Barbie movie. They are, starring Margot Robbie. They are. And I, I wish that they, like, went through and got, like, an M rating or like an R that's the word R not M (laughs) I wish that they had like gotten an R rating and they were making it like low-key edgy because I would love to see like all of the perfect Barbie aesthetics but then like halfway through there's like a gruesome murder or something that she has to solve but I think it's gonna be I think it's like PG so it's gonna or like G or PG so it's gonna be all like cutesy and stuff yeah, she looks good that, in the promo photo. It says that it's going to be a romantic comedy starring yeah. Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken. Ryan Gosling? Oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm going to watch it because why not? But like... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But apparently, according to this, there's going to be... Uh, I can't... <laughs> is hilarious that this is what we're talking about now i'm looking at it on wikipedia and like half of the cast doesn't have any characters listed next to them but you've got margot robbie as barbie you've got ryan gosling as ken then simu lu who was from fucking shang chi is listed as another ken oh oh Uh, you gotta have asian ken because that's how they classified him for a very long time Issa ray as another barbie He's going to get, like, diverse Barbies fighting. That's what it is. It's just a cage match between all the Barbies. (laughs) Hootie Gatwa as another Ken. Hari Neff as another Barbie. So, yeah, I guess there's going to be lots of Barbies and Kens, but I guess Margot Robbie's the main one. I don't know. It's not coming out for another year. not a cage fight, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) Will Ferrell as the CEO of a toy company? I thought you were going to say he was Ken, and I was like, no! That would be so funny! It is going to be directed by Greta Gerwig, and I I think she directed Lady Bird, and I really liked Lady Bird. I still I was like, watch that one. <laughs> I was, like, kind of drunk, and I, like, cried a lot to it. But the trailers, that sounds about right. <laughs> but other than that, like, I really enjoyed the movie, because, <laughs> like, people really like Greta Gerwig's stuff, so I wondered if it's going to be anything like Lady Bird or Little Women. I know a lot of people, my, my first exposure to the fact that this movie will exist is that a lot of people were, were bent out of shape. And I actually read a news article about how the, the song Barbie Girl is not going to be used in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be. It is not child friendly. Well, that's no, like, clearly that's like. They should just put in this moment sex metal Barbie and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so. We've talked a bit about the, you know, the, the, the first concerts and the first purchases. And I know that for me, at least, the, you know, Weird Al was my first concert. It was also one of the first albums I, I purchased and really one of the first bands that, or, or musicians that I got into on my own. Because, you know, for the, you know, when you're first, I don't know about for everybody else, but at least for me, like, you know, you have that period of time until you hit a certain age where, like, the only music that you hear or know is whatever your parents listen to, which for me was a steady diet of pop music and country so yeah like my dad so when my dad got his first cd player in like 1990 my mom bought him what was then the new mariah carey album called music box wow wild (laughs) so like that was that was what i was exposed to until i hit about middle school and 
had a friend who was into Weird Al, and that's how I got into Weird Al. And then that was at the time, like me in middle school, because again, I'm I'm old as fuck compared to you guys. You know, my middle school age that was when like Dookie from Green Day and oh, uh, Smash by the Offspring, those were like out, and so I had gotten into them a bit. That's not really. I still like those bands to a point, but that's not really what I listen to anymore. But that was what was like the the, the three main things because Weird Al was a bit of an outlier. There wasn't many people that listened to Weird Al. What most people seemed to listen to at the time was was you know those the Green Day and Offspring, and then um, Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Those were like the three main things that people were listening to at that point. And so, like I said, like Weird Al was really the first thing I got into, and so that also was like my first show. So for you guys, were your your were, were the first shows also the first sort of things that you? Now I know Eli, you said the first thing that you bought was Evanescence, so that wasn't your show, but uh, I think for me it kind of was because like my first CDs that I bought on my own are not the most formative music things for me because like growing up I listened to a lot of show tunes and Irish music, which the show tunes is why I watched Glee, but that I don't. I don't count that as me anymore. <laughs> um, but I remember the first like music that I found like on my own because like I was listening to like a little bit of Disturbed and Hollywood Undead because a fr- good friend of mine in school listened to that because like their dad was like really big into like metal and he listened to like Metallica and other things like that like harder stuff. And they didn't listen to the same stuff as their dad, but, like, it allowed them to find their own stuff. So, like, I listened to Hollywood Undead and Disturbed with them a bunch and Avenged Sevenfold, which I don't really listen to any of those bands actively now. But because of that, I ended up finding on YouTube the very first Blackfoot Brides video of Knives and Pence, which now you watch that one. That's a, ooh, it's a time. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's still a really good song that's really important to me. But that was, like, the first thing that I found, like, truly on my own. I had... No one I knew listened to it. It wasn't from anyone else's music collection. It was the very first thing that I found entirely on my own. And honestly, I brought it to a bunch of my friends. They were like, wow, Charlie, this fucking sucks. Why would you listen to that? <laughs> and none of my friends liked Blackfoot Brides until... That was in 2009 when that came out. That was the only song they had. I listened to it on repeat. Of the, like, 10 million views it has at this point, I'm convinced I'm, like, a million of them. <laughs> but... <laughs> I was listening to that, like, pretty much on repeat, and then, like, when that album came out, I was really excited. That was, like, in 2010 when We Stitch These Wounds came out, and I got that album, and I listened to it constantly, and none of my friends listened to Blackfoot Brides up until high school, which was, like, 2013 to 2017 for me, and I, I would say probably, like, 2016 is about when my friends started listening to it, which is wild, because... Their first four albums had come out at that point, and they were not releasing music around 2016, which is, that was definitely, like, the first music that was formulative to me, and that was, like, my own, and was the first concert I went to, and they were the ones that I was like, you know what, fuck it, I want to go see Blackfield Rides really, really bad, I want to see these boys in leather on stage performing some of my favorite songs, and that's kind of, like, I went, I did it, and, like, as I mentioned, the friend of mine that passed away, she had always said she wanted to go see them and never could, because she sadly passed away before she got the chance, and so, like, I was like, fuck it, I'm going, <laughs> and so I saw them, and that's kind of, like, what pushed me forward, but, like, Blackfield Rides will always be, like, my little thing, because, like, even if my friends do like it, they're not as, like, absolutely insane as I am. Because, like, I have them tattooed on my body. I've paid lots of money to meet some of them. Like, it's, I love them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't have any band tattoos yet. I would like to, but I haven't. I think that part of the thing is that lately a concern has been 
especially lately with all of the finding out that a lot of these people that uh, that are in bands that I like are fucking insane. Like, (laughs) like I never would have, and I guess maybe I should have paid a better attention in, in the one case, but like, you know, the, the founder and lead guitarist of iced earth having taken part in the insurrection on January 6th, like, eh, Yikes. I don't know. Like, yeah, or like, not that it was a band that I was ever super into, but I was having a conversation with Craig uh, a couple weeks ago about how the the lead singer from uh, As I Lay Dying and Austrian Death Machine, how I can't really listen to them anymore because like that guy tried to have his wife murdered, like, and that like I said, that wasn't a band I was ever really super into, like I was with Iced Earth, but like people do shitty things. And yeah. so, you know, as sometimes, you know, completely at random or out of the blue, like when everyone found out that that the singer from the band Lost Prophets raped babies, huh. um, you know, <laughs> and so yeah, like, no, I know, like when I got my tattoo, I was at a record store and I was telling the guy about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, hopefully that's not a really expensive cover up later. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to just they got rid of their one problematic member and now they're wholesome boys. <laughs> But like I had always wanted to get a you know after after Dimebag Daryl got killed I had always wanted to get a uh, a Pantera tattoo and I know that like you know some people are like well you know Phil the singer from Pantera he's a racist so are you sure you want to do that and I'm like I don't know I don't know how much I buy into the Phil's a racist thing I mean if you get it to Dimebag Daryl you know he can't do anything worse than he already did so as long as you do your research well yeah you can get it to him and like. You you know what he's done, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like he's going to surprise you. It's true. It's Unless true. he comes back from the dead, which in that case, that that'd be, be a big surprise. Be quite a surprise. But yeah, no, I mean, he's it's weird. It's been 18 years since that happened. Wild. Yeah. That was that was a time finding the, the whole finding out about that, about about how about Dimebag getting killed at a show. Well, yeah, because there wasn't the 24-hour news cycle back then. Uh, there was to a point, you know, CNN and all that, like that existed by then. But the way that I found out was just so fucking weird. Like I was at college and my friend Pat, I was on, a, I was, I had a, a class, I was like a long, I think it was like a science class or something. And so like they gave us a break in between. So I went on my break and I saw my friend Pat in the hallways at the college. Uh, I mean, because I was in college in 2004. <laughs> children <laughs> so he's like yo did you hear what happened to to dimebag daryl i was like no man what are you talking about? he's like he's dead he got shot at a show last night i was like what so instead of going back to class i went they had they had computers in like the cafeteria at the community college so i went down there and just started like looking it up online and seeing all these articles and stuff about you know what had happened at that show and uh I was like, wow, that's fucking crazy. I think the my guy... only thing like that was like, I remember I used to like this musician named Christina Grimmie, and she was shot by like a massive fan back when Instagram like was starting to get big. And I was on Instagram and I followed her and her brother had to post like, yeah, no, she was killed last night by a fan who basically did the like, well, if I can't have her, no one can. And it was like, mm. Ooh. she was your Selena. She was yours. Yeah. Selena I don't know her last name. <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't matter. It's Selena. Everyone knows who she yeah, is. I, say, I don't think she really had a last, like professionally, I don't think she had a last name. No, but, but Christina was absolutely that. 
because like I I followed her from like some of her first YouTube videos. I stumbled upon her, so it was like this one weird thing. And it was like part of what led into my big fear of concerts was like I all but watched this singer I love because there was videos of her getting shot and like fans who were there who were just trying to show videos of like oh my god it's this fan this uh, musician I love and like there were like pretty much videos of her dying and like most of them I avoided but like sometimes people did not do their warnings well back then so but I remember that that was like a big thing I just I remember thinking at first that the I was like this dime this dime bag thing this got to be like not real right like this has got to be a stunt especially well not a stunt just like somebody you know Somebody made some bullshit up and, 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 and people didn't bother to verify and ran with it. And the reason is that the the cop who responded to – the first cop that responded who wound up killing the gunman, his last name sounded like something that somebody made up. Like it didn't sound like a real – because his last name his his last name was Nigamire. I was like that I was like somebody's just this is not fake. Yeah. yeah, this can't be real. And, and it was. Jesus. Wild. <laughs> That's a rough last name. Oh my Ooh. god. Imagine spelling that. <laughs> like imagine being a kid having to learn how to spell that. Like I struggled enough with my last name and it's not even that hard. <laughs> But yeah, I was like, there's some way. And then like, and and then, and then it was just ridiculous how, you know, because his stage name was Dimebag Daryl, like the fucking clueless news people. Like, oh, could it have been drug related? <laughs> no, idiot. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny too, just, just the way that people perceive things watching on the news, all of the coverage of it. And then my grandmother asking me, oh, did you did you know, was that a friend of yours? Like, my grandma was not a friend of mine. It was a band I listened to, but I did not know the man personally. <laughs> I mean, it kind of hits in the same way, though. Like, Yeah. What was the biggest kick in the dick about that one was that back then, Casey and I were living with her mom. And no, I don't think I wasn't living with Casey and her mom anymore at that point, but we were not living didn't have our own place regardless. And so I always wanted to go to shows and there was this constant sort of argument between Casey and I about how I should stop going, not stop going to shows, but don't go to as many shows and save money so that we can get our own place. And so like three or four days before Dimebag was killed, they played in New York city and I wanted to go and Casey was like, no, you shouldn't go. You know, you can you can go next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like part of why I'm glad I got over my fear, because it's like there may not always be a next time. Yeah. You know, like I'm a little sad that I can't go see Ghost in September because like they are from Sweden. So it's like, how often are they coming to the States, you know? <laughs> So. Pretty pretty frequently, actually. From what I've seen, yeah, they do. Because I think most of their fan base is in the States, mostly. So, like, it, I should be able to see them again. But it was also like, damn. Because they haven't been in the States, I don't think, since before the pandemic. There might have been one thing. I don't know. I'm only free, just getting into that band, like, actively and, like, learning their history. So, which is a wild time, mind you. <laughs> I just yeah I only I only am aware of them passively and I, I the one thing that I think is cool is how the you know every every album cycle they change singers except not really 
Yeah, it's still Tobias Forge, but it's the character changes. And it's, like, really theatrical, too. Like, there was, like, one of them. I don't remember which Papa Emeritus. Oh, but he got, like, dragged off stage by, like, security guards. And then, like, he was, like, dead. And then the next time you see Ghost, it wasn't that character anymore. It was a new character. It was so cool. Like, I'm slowly getting into it, trying to, like, unbury all of this history and, like, storyline. And there are some arguments of how it's interpreted based on, like, the articles I've read about, like, here's the history of Ghost, but there's nothing official, so, like, I'm, like, trying to piece it together. It's kind of fun, honestly. Right, and the fact that, like, the, you know, they've, they've always done the, you know, they wanted to be anonymous, uh, you know, the whole nameless school. Yeah. I think that, like, I read somewhere that at one point Dave Grohl was a nameless school drummer. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I told uh, I told Yarl that, and he got real excited about it, and he was like, damn, I guess I have to like Ghost now because Dave Grohl is part of it. It's like, yeah. But that's also allegedly, because they're not allowed to actually like say if they were. There's a couple different people who were like big. I think Taylor Momsen was in it at one point. That's what I heard. I don't know how true that is. I haven't found any proof of that, but that's what I like heard. Uh, but there was like a bunch of people who have been involved in Ghost, like, a little bit for a couple shows but they also like the nameless ghouls are nowadays there was like a period of time where tobias forge the guy who like does the whole thing he was unmasked and he did that on his own because he said like basically like i know it's gonna happen eventually i'd rather be in my own power but i know this past tour cycle they like did the crew picture at the end and the ghouls had their masks off and yeah. previously they used to put paper bags over their heads during the uh, crew pictures <laughs> sometimes they draw like faces on the bags but well, that's like Slipknot uh, when they – the most recent time that they replaced a member. They were trying to keep him anonymous for the longest time. They only finally just revealed – like he re- – they, you know, it was rumored who it was, and, 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 and the rumors were right. But they finally just revealed him within the last year or so when he did like a Reddit AMA. And like because no one knew who he was and because of the way that his mask looked, everybody just started ca- calling him the Tortilla Man. Because his mask just kind of looked like he has, like, a tortilla pressed against his face. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I like when people are mysterious and they come up with names. Like, there's one of the ghouls that everybody calls uh, calls him uh, Dewdrop, and he's adorable. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I like Mystery Advance. It's kind of fun. Like, I mean, I'm someone who really, really likes storylines in my bands, as anyone who knows of Black Belt Brides and their history, like... I've pieced together this whole massive arcing story that really starts from, like, Set the World on Fire. Though there's, like, bits of it you can get from We Stitch These Wounds, but it literally goes from Set the World on Fire all the way up to Vale. And it's, like, this whole story. And, like, that story is now continuing with what they're doing now, which is exciting. I would love to see you write a whole essay on this. I probably could, honestly. How's that not a thing? How's that not a thing that you did in college? (laughs) Uh, I never had an excuse. Uh, Honestly, my my college never. There was no time in which an essay on the entire storyline of Black Bell Brides could have happened. And honestly, I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks there's a massive storyline like that because I've never heard anyone talk about it that in depth. Like most people are like, "Oh, Wretched Divine had a storyline," and it like kind of went to veil, and it's like, no, it's this whole arcing thing. You went to an art school. How yeah. did this not happen? Because I went for fashion and they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Scat hates you specifically. Yeah, probably, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, there's like this whole arcing storyline. Like, you know, at some point, I'm going to have to write that up because, you know, why not? Yeah. I have a friend who's <laughs> super into 
Coheed and Cambria, and he had said that their whole thing is a very involved storyline. I don't know. I can't. I could never get into that band. I'm vocals, not familiar with that one. <laughs> their their vocals, they're they're right up there with with Rush for me. The vocals sound too. For me, like I don't know. I can't when it's a really high pitched, almost feminine vocal coming out of a dude. Like I can't. I can't. That's why I can't get into Rush and Coheed's the same way for me. Fair. What's that one band falling in reverse? <laughs> falling in reverse. <laughs> That's not a man. Ronnie does not sound like a woman. No, it's not falling in reverse. Is it Pierce the Veil? Pierce the Veil, Kelly. It's Quinn. Pierce the Veil. I'm Kelly thinking Quinn. of. <laughs> well, it, there's. I know Pierce the Veil. There's a couple songs. If you listen to Pierce the Veil and New Year's Day, um, right next to each other, they sound the same. <laughs> and I feel so bad saying that because I love Ash Costello and she does amazing work. But there's a couple songs. Play them next to each other. I could not have told you the difference. God. They sound so similar. <laughs> But like that was like the Warp Tour style, you know? Yeah. And that was both peak Warp Tour. It was like 2013-ish. Yeah. So like it was that was the era, and both of them were playing on Warp Tour. I don't remember what stage New Year's Day was on at that time, but they started on Warp Tour like that. Warp Tour was super important to their like growth as a band. So because they, I, I want to say they used to play like I think it was technically a stage at the earlier Warp Tours, but it was like a dirt patch on the ground. There it is. In the park. Uh, and they like played that but then eventually by the end of Warp Tour they were on main stage which is pretty cool I still wish I had gone to Warp Tour but here Bro. we are that it was crazy like yeah. the one time that I went first off neck deep I left with like my rib cage felt bruised because I was slammed into the barricade so hard um there's a photo of me like there's a photo of creeper but you can see me in the crowd and i'm like oh my god that's me every time that i see it but creeper was amazing on their on their tiny little stage i think i like stood in the back for boston manor i don't think trophy eyes is on that work tour we saw i can't even remember the name of it because it's like my friend's shitty exes like bands that's why he went but i was in a circle pit for that and then we also watched guar from the back because we were watching it to be to like tell my friend's parents hey we saw guar holy shit guar is insane see i've never seen them i what's funny is it at horror show jack uh there was a period of time where he and i were sort of you know exposing each other to different bands and what have you and he had a lot of guar cds and he said you gotta listen to this and he like copied them for me onto my mp he put them onto my mp3 player and like i put it on when i was at work and i was like what this is this this band is awful like their music is bad <laughs> and, and i and then i was like dude what what do you mean i have to listen to this band this band sucks he's like well you don't really you know and then other people he he admitted and other people have also said like guar is not really a band that you just listen to you have to go to the show and experience it i was like then why did you put it on my mp3 player I don't... <laughs> right? like why did you just bring me to a show at that point like like i have not listened to guar since just because like They've never really piqued my interest, but their stage presence was insane. I'm talking fake blood was hitting the damn sound booth, Jesus. like 50 feet away. They decapitated a whole fake Donald Trump. That sounds like a vibe. In 
presents, but God, I don't care about them. <laughs> I thought it was cool that they were able to. I mean, and I think it it owes a lot to the fact that that band is just characters that are supposed to be like from space or whatever. So like when their singer died of a drug overdose, they just got some other space alien guy to replace him. God. <sighs> Wild. Also, when I went on Warp Tour, Andy Andy Black was there, um, but I almost like passed out during his set, so I had to like leave halfway through and I was like, I'm gonna go sit down for a little bit. What year was that? Because that would either be his uh Shadow Side album or his Ghost of Ohio album. It was the Shadow Side. Okay, so that was, like, right when he first did his solo work. Yep. Um, for those that don't know, Andy Black is the lead singer of Black Veil Brides, and Andy Black is his solo project that he did a couple albums with. Yeah, I would have liked to see that. I've seen, like, clips of his first solo tour, and it was, like, all but stand-up comedy with, like, sprinklings of songs. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I really wanted to see him, too, because I got super into the shadow side, like, the month before I was gonna go and then I like almost passed out and I was like I'm gonna pass out I'm gonna throw up I'm gonna piss shit scream fart I don't know I need to go sit down <laughs> it's, it's a great a, album it's going no. to evacuate every orifice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah everything's no. gonna leave me I hired his uh autobiography because he talks a lot about like his songwriting so like you get a lot if you like black Phil brides wretched divine and andy black shadow side album those two albums he really focuses really strongly on because they're like i would say those are like the pinnacle of his like writing and like what really forms him but um he talks a lot about how those came to be i find it really interesting but i'm also weird and i like to like know all of the inside worms of musicians brains and why they do what they do fair enough i was never i was never able to go to a warp tour because well not that i was never able to go i was probably able to go i never went because that was never really my scene yeah there was usually a few bands that i liked that were on there but not nearly enough to justify going yeah i I remember i had gone primarily to see neck deep because at that point in time they were my favorite band they're like a, a welsh pop punk band but i went primarily to see neck deep and then i ended up also seeing creeper which is another band I really like. They have a really solid classic rock sounds. They do a lot of of concept album stuff. So they've got like this massive plot line. Uh, but I went to see them as well and I ended up buying a tapestry from them and I was waiting in line at the Creeper booth to get it signed because at that point they were still like kind of small. So the line was pretty short and I was waiting in line by myself. My friends were just chilling somewhere else and the lead singer of neck deep like was walking back to his tent so he left the stage and then he ended up walking right in front of me and he did that kind of polite like excuse me and like walked through and i like was stunned i like had to i totally forgot that i was in line for something else i was just standing there staring like oh my god ben barlow just walked in front of me what the how the what and then i got my shit from creeper sign and i ran back to my friends and i was like Haley, you're never gonna believe this and she was like i knew i should have waited in line to see creeper with you holy shit (laughs) See, that reminds me of a time where 
I was seeing, uh, I and a bunch of friends went to New York City to see uh, Rob Zombie. It was Rob Zombie and Lacuna Coil with Bullet for My Valentine as the opening band. And so it was me, Craig, Horror Show Jack, and another friend of ours. So one of the bands finished. It might have been Bullet for My Valentine. And Horror Show Jack was like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. So he left. And as soon as he walked away from us, Rob Zombie's wife walks up to us. Sherry Moon. She's like, hi, does anybody uh, want a free... She was had a clothing line at the time called Total Skull. Does anybody want a free t-shirt from Total Skull? And Craig's like, who's Total Skull? She's like, no, Total Skull isn't a person. It's it's my clothing line. I'm Sherry Moon Zombie, and this is my clothing line. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, Andrew's going to shit himself. <laughs> because he was obsessed with her. And... She, she she walked up to us right after he walked away. So me and and our other friend, we were both too fat for the shirt size that she had. So like Craig was the only one that could fit in it. So she gave him the shirt. She left as soon as she left. Horror show Jack comes walking back up. It was like, so you're not going to believe who was just here. <laughs> He's wow. like, what? I was like, Sherry Moon was just here. He's like, you're full of shit. I was like, no, she gave Craig a shirt. And Craig holds up the shirt. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Wow. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah, he was a bit obsessed. Sherry Moon. God. But that was an alright show. Other than the context of It's Rob Zombie's Wife. (laughs) Yeah. She's basically been on, like, in a lot of his music videos, in every movie he's ever done as a a movie director. You know, she's she's really hot. Like, she's even going to be in, like, he's making that, that Munsters movie. And she's like playing the mom in the Munsters movie. Yeah, I think she played the mom in his Halloween remake. I think so, yeah. And I then you know movie. she was she was baby in the you know the Devil's Reject yeah, yeah, yeah. corpses. I didn't see the the Halloween. A friend of mine bought me the first one for my birthday, like when it came out on DVD. And I it just I have so much stuff in my house that's just sitting on a shelf that's never been opened, just because I don't have a lot of time to like do stuff watch stuff whatever <laughs> so like that's still sitting in the plastic on my shelf since like 2007 or whenever it came out this is like a whole can of worms for me because i'm such a massive horror fan you can't tell because my like little hold on my little pop figures are obscuring it but i actually have a poster of leatherface from texas chainsaw okay. um but i do not like that movie. I don't like Halloween 2007. And I think it's because it added too much to Michael's background instead of like the whole point of Slashers is like, ooh, I, I'm like a mysterious thing. You don't know me. You don't understand why these things happen. And then it gave this whole thing of why these things happened, like why Michael you know, became this killing machine. And I was like, oh, okay, so I don't care. And you've completely like, screwed this up like fuck you <laughs> there's only like, one reason rob zombies halloween's matter to me and it is kind of to blame on how i got black belt brides in my life so you know <laughs> it's, okay elaborate please <laughs> long story short andy was there because of his girlfriend and he ended up 
in a room with another guy who was like an intern on the films. And basically he had been saying like, oh, I have a band, despite not really having a band at that moment. And some other guy, the intern was like, well, I make music videos. We should get this together. And uh, using a very low budget and a million things going wrong to actually get there. They ended up making the Knives and Pens music video because they met on that film set. So I believe Andy also said that Rob Zombie did listen to his little like garage band EP he'd made with some friends back when he was in Ohio. But like, yeah, long story short, he met the guy who still makes like all of the Black Veil Brides music videos that has for the last 12 years. I think there's only like one or two that he didn't do. And his name is Patrick Fogarty. He does some other music videos, too. But because they were on that set and Andy was kind of stranded in Georgia where they were filming it, um, they made the Knives and Pens music video that allowed that went viral. And then we got Black Veil Brides. His girlfriend was Scout Taylor Compton, right? I believe so. I don't like her as Lori either. They completely like ruin Lori's character. <laughs> yeah, there was apparently drama between the two of them, but I'm not familiar with that because I did not care to look into it. I'm like, it's yeah. their relationship. I don't need that drama. Yeah. So, and they're not together anymore. So, like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but it is thanks for those movies that Blackfoot Brides exists in the way it does. So, that's the only reason I like those movies. I've never seen them, they don't matter to me. But that is the reason they matter. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel you on on that though. As far as like not giving a shit about like personal life or what, like everybody right now is is oh my the, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and I'm like, oh, fuck. oh my god, I don't, I don't care. Don't like, care. Like, like like in general, I don't tend to care about celebrities' lives or their gossip or what the fuck ever. But apparently, lots of people give a shit about stuff like that. I like the wholesome stuff. I don't like when things go wrong in their lives, but like I love when like musicians I like will tell like oh yeah I got this new dog and they're like talking about their dog on their Instagram give me all that content like Jake Pitts is really good about like he posts a lot of like uh Instagram stories about like there's one his cat knocked all of his Kerrang awards onto the ground and like destroyed his room and he was like seriously I come home from tour and you've done this do I not matter in this house? And I thought it was really funny because his cat was just looking at him like, yeah, bro, you're not feeding me. I don't care. (laughs) And like that super wholesome. Love it. I want all of that. It's really funny to me, but like, I don't necessarily want to see when like these musicians and actors that I love are like, I hate everything. My life is a mess. I don't, it's not my business. And it also like, it feels like I'm commodifying them. If I get super yeah. obsessed with the like nitty gritty shitty things that happen in their life. And it's like, this is like, I'm not watching a TV show. This is a real person who's dealing with these actual things that is like annoying at best, but downright fucking traumatizing at worst. Like, this is not my business. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I think it's different if, like, the person comes out later once it's been, like, dealt with, and it's like, yeah, this happened, this is the effect it had, it'll be cool, and they talk about it after they've already done, like, a lot of their healing, but, like, especially with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, it's like, you're in the middle of this horrible thing that they're going through, like, why are we televising it, making money off of it, Why are we? people are making money off of it. Yeah, why are we making, why are we televising it? Why are we making money off of it? And why are we making fun of it? This is like, say what you want, but regardless of what is the truth, and none of us will ever find out the truth, that is like 
that's just how it works. That's up for God or whatever. Like, There's all you know, sides and then the truth. Exactly. Know? Why do you think it's funny to make fun of somebody who is clearly like going through something horrible? Yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> Well, then there's the whole other thing, too, of like the more, as I was sort of saying before, like the more you know about the the, the celebrity, the band member, the whatever, the more that can cause conflict within you if they don't, if, you know, if they want to overthrow the government, like maybe you don't want to listen to their band anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it takes away that thing that you love. But uh, what, what's funny is that that, uh, so... They keep posting. I'm still following the Iced Earth social media pages, and they keep posting that they're like selling like different hot sauces and this and that. And like people just keep just ripping apart like, oh, you know, you know, making reference to the to the the insurrection, how like the photo that came out that when people saw that John was was involved, he was holding a can of like bear pepper spray in his hand. So they're like, oh, is there bear spray in his hot sauce? Like shit like that. So he broke all the rules of protesting and got caught. Nice job, my dude. Yeah. Bear spray flavored hot sauce. <laughs> if he was smart, he'd make money off that. So, You're making but me yeah. cough. It's with the bear spray hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, bear spray hot, has a has a huge kick in the back. It's like there's like like fucking southern hick white person hot sauce. It's like anus blaster five thousand now featuring bear spray. I mean, to be honest, as 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 one that for the longest time, my mom would just buy me different hot sauces just in my Christmas stocking. And they, they all kind of have that kind of stuff. You know, those ridiculous names. That's how they that's how they fucking market them. My fridge yeah. is full of them. <laughs> that's true. It is. There was a point in time when my aunt was like making fun of my grandfather because he was like constipated or something. And we're like looking at hot sauces while we're like out on a shopping trip of like this like it's called like Shady Maple. It's like a smorgasbord out in in Pennsylvania. And we were at Kitchen Kettle Village, which is nearby, and it's like a little shopping area. But we were looking at all that, you know, White Hicks hot sauces they have over there. And my aunt was like, you know, your grandfather, like, Pop needs some of this. He's been constipated for the past week. And I was like, okay, Aunt Megan, I didn't need to know. And then she goes, Dad, Eli says you should get this anus blaster 5,000 hot sauce. And I was like, I didn't even say that, Pop, I swear. But now... Like he's like he's old. He's like like almost eighty, but he like he had a shitting pants problem. <laughs> and now my aunts don't stop making fun of him. Now he needs the opposite of the ass blaster. Literally, he needs the ass closer five thousand. Oh, well, if it's hot enough, it'll burn your asshole closed. Yeah, <laughs> like it's true. Like, we were visiting the cemetery during Mother's Day, and my grandmother has, like, great craftswoman engraved in the tombstone with, like, a, a, a sewing machine. <laughs> and they were like, what are we going to put on Pop's side? Oh, a toilet. Toilet paper. <laughs> my mom was like, you should put I should have invested in Fruit of the Loom. <laughs> Your family is such a time, Eli. Look, if they didn't all shit themselves, did I tell you my mom succumbed to that? My mom shat herself 
like two months ago. Literally nobody is safe. I think the only people who haven't shit themselves so far are me and my older sister. I'm waiting for the day that you succumb. I I I was close. I it almost happened when I was like 14. I was real close, and then I got to the Eminem building in New York, and I was fine. <laughs> Jason, Wild. For, for reference, everybody on my dad's side of the family has shit their pants. Okay. Like we call it the England family curse of shit yourself because. All of my aunts have shat their pants. Actually, one of my aunts hasn't. And we think she passes on the curse to other people by walking up behind them in stores and making fart noises and then running away. Because <laughs> she's the only one who does that, and she hasn't shit herself. So maybe. All right. But it's like it's like spread to my mom now. So it's How like, oh, God. The rails so far? <laughs> even the in-laws aren't. Even the in-laws aren't safe. Sorry. For this That's like right. random England family update. That's all right. I had a, a Black Veil Brides open on my screen on Wikipedia and randomly caught a glimpse that in the end was used as a theme song for a WWE pay-per-view. Yeah, it was. Uh, some of the Motionless White songs have also been used. Brand New Numb was on a video game, but I don't remember which sports video game it was on. And New Year's Day, who I discussed earlier, it did one of Rhea Ripley's um, theme songs. Which is rad because just mm, Ash Costello and Rhea Ripley, the idea of them in the same room, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me because I, I take it that you're very much not a, a pro wrestling person. No. But something about that Rhea Ripley. She's beautiful. <laughs> what do you want from me? Like, also, her and Chris Motionless are basically twins. Like, I, I've noticed that recently, like looking at, like comparing them side by side. It's a little ridiculous. I want to know where the long lost like DNA like was there a child that was born at the same time that they didn't know about and wasn't put on paperwork. Like what is this? Because they are the same. <laughs> they also have a lot of the same interests from what I've seen, which is wild. I need them to hang out together. I don't need to see it. I just need to know that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. So, you know, we've kind of talked about all of our all of our firsts, our first, you know, shows, first music purchases, first, you know, favorite bands and what have you, you know, and we're coming up on, uh, you know, an hour recording. So I think that it's time to wrap. Uh, I was wondering what everyone's got as far as shows coming up. I think the next one that I have scheduled at the moment, Eli's also going to with me which is the uh at the end of july we're going to see hailstorm and the pretty reckless with openers of lilazar and the warning uh in scranton i think i think that's where yeah that's where that one is that's the next thing i've got on the docket uh which is wild because like for the last couple months i've had concerts pretty consistently i'll so. find some for you <laughs> so ominous but I think that's the next one for Eli and I, because right. I think most of my favorite bands are going to Europe for a while. Like, I know Ice Nine's going to be in Europe. Black Veil's going to be in Europe. Motionless is in Malta this weekend, I think. And then I think they might be going to Australia. I'm not certain where they are <laughs> for the next little while. But they'll probably announce a tour soon, because they have a new album coming out. 
But like a lot of my bands are either just finishing a tour that I saw them on or they're headed to Europe. So I don't I don't know if there's going to be anything for me. Okay. And the next thing that I'm doing, it keeps coming up in my Facebook feed and it's a band I've never seen before. Um, The band Shaman's Harvest is playing a show at a venue in Jersey called the Debonair Music Hall, which I've been to before. It's weird that that venue is weird because like it used to be a Mexican restaurant that also sometimes had concerts. So for the longest time, it was called Mexicali Live. And then they were like, eh, I think that it's the, our, our, it, we're confusing our identity and, and it's not we're not really getting over that this is a venue. So they, they changed the name to the Debonair Music Hall and I've been there a bunch. So I think I might go to that because I like Shaman's Harvest and I've never seen them before. And that's a really small venue. So, yeah. Uh, you know, if you were not otherwise engaged that weekend, which I believe that you are, I would have invited you. That's fair. I have a pretty busy schedule. But, yeah, that and then a couple of things in July, kind of going back to high school and when you were babies or not born yet. Like a lot of the ba- a lot of like bands that were like big new metal bands back in that time are all. There's like two tours of like bands that were huge when I was in high school that are happening in July. And one is the Dingbats, so that'll be more affordable. One is at the, the PNC Art Center, and those tickets are ridiculous. Uh, it's like for seats, it's like 80 bucks, and it's like it's Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, Static X, and Powerman 5000. Which it'll be interesting to see those bands to tour together because I don't know that Rob Zombie and Powerman have ever toured together. Because for those that don't know, the the singer from Power Man 5000, Spider One, is Rob Zombie's brother, and so they've kind of tried to not come like kind of do their own thing. Yeah. So they haven't really ever toured together, to my knowledge. So that'll be cool. And then uh, in like the smaller show is going to be Head PE, Edema, Flaw. Might be another band, but these are all, like I said, these are all like new metal bands that were huge when I was in high school. <laughs> and so it's it's hilarious that like 20 plus years later, they're still around. I'm hoping that's the case for a lot of my favorite bands. And I mean, they're doing pretty well at this point. You know, they've all gone over a decade. So he best knock something. on some wood. <laughs> <laughs> it like a horse. It's my it's, rings. Let's say that. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounded that sounded metal. <laughs> it's because I'm so metal. That's true. <laughs> Shut up. I'm probably what the up? least metal person in our group. Wow. Damn it! I was gonna say that's why you're with me, right? Because you're so damn metal. <laughs> you don't get to look at me and say I'm probably the least metal person in our group. Like, you dress the least metal, but like you're also the one who will go fuck shit up in a mosh pit. Yeah, and I'm I too am, scared. <laughs> I am kind of insane. Yeah, I'm like, like I was like staring at like this shit in my closet for like your birthday party, and I was like, oh god, what am I gonna wear? Fancy goth? Look at me, I'm a hippie. <laughs> yeah, I found something. I, I'm dressed like I'm the most metal in our group, and then I'm not. Very <laughs> dog privileges, and then I'm the evil little chihuahua <laughs> that will eat your toes. Yeah, I have the aesthetic, but I am a, a squish. <laughs> a squish. Sorry, I just randomly got a message of a friend whose party I went to yesterday. They sent me home with with leftover food and then just sent me a message. So did you have some of my meat in your mouth this morning? 
<laughs> Wild. I think that's the only way to ask if someone's eaten leftovers. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, probably. <laughs> Note to self, send Charlie home with leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's where we met. Oh, God. <laughs> I just said I'm coming and I didn't. Ah! Didn't get to tell me no this time. That was hilarious the other day, though. <sighs> talking to, for, we're just talking to each other. Everybody's like, what the f-? Anybody that's listening is like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> anytime, that, anytime that Charlie says fair, since that's where we met and that's where we hang out most, that's I'll, I'll make some reference to the Ren Fair. And so the other day we were talking and they said fair. And then before I could say anything, because I was in the middle of eating a snack on my lunch, I was like, don't even think about it. I was like, fuck, but I had thought about it. I just didn't say it yet. <laughs> I'm learning slowly. <laughs> oh, man. I'll stop your jokes before they have. Well. Only sometimes. You can't possibly. Don't. You can't possibly avoid all of them. Well, yeah, there'll be new ones. It's just the reoccurring ones that I can see coming from a mile away. <laughs> oh, my leg. Oh, God. Well, I think that I think that it was it was uh, I think this is a good place to to cut this off and and uh, I'll have this out sometime this week. It was great to talk to you guys and hopefully you know we can uh, get back to you know the original idea that we had for this podcast <laughs> today in the future. Hopefully, hopefully this, nothing comes up. This was a last day. minute like ah we can't do the other thing. Let's do this thing instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully that'll. Hopefully nothing changes the next two weeks so we can actually, like, record that. We've yeah. been trying to do that for, what, months now? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, not to not to talk too much about the thing in case it doesn't happen, but it was yeah. basically talking about a concert that we went to that was in April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild. It was Easter so. weekend, actually. Yeah. But... All right. Well, thank you guys both for for making the time and 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 uh, you know dealing with with my fucking just me. <laughs> I love dealing with your you. I mean, I feel like you had to deal with us going totally off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> Low key. You know, this is where this is where Charlie, you get to throw back at me that I signed up for this. That's true. <laughs> you wanted me on this podcast. You got what you asked for, but. Probably a little bit more than you planned for. <laughs> ah, that's all right. You were both wonderful, and I appreciate your time. Aw, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> My time that I would have spent, like, watching movies or something. Yeah, there wasn't much else going on. I was making relish. Were you relishing it? God fucking damn it. <laughs> Bye.
And from the album Blush, that was Mooseblood with the song Cheek. Mooseblood was Eli's first live band that they saw. I want to thank Eli and Charlie for being on the show. You can follow Eli on Instagram at elijah.jpg, and that is spelled E-L-Y-J-A-H. And you can follow Charlie on Instagram at charlie underscore the underscore chameleon. Don't forget, you can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for J Bunny's Music Hub. Don't forget, we also have a Patreon that if you're so inclined, you can subscribe to. Uh, once we get some subscribers on the Patreon, there will be you know bonus shows and what have you. And you can also find out about guests in advance of the recording and have the opportunity to submit questions. Just if you're so inclined, search on Patreon, J Bunny's Music Hub. Uh, don't have it yet, but uh, I'm being told that I should have a TikTok for the podcast. So look for that uh, soon. And we're going to try to get more active on the social media with posts other than just when there's a new episode. There were some ideas about maybe bringing back the written features and also doing some stories on Instagram and on the Tiki Talk. I sound old as shit, but I've always maintained I'm too old for, for TikTok. I'm catching up to this shit last minute as always. And And also, don't forget... Just because we're trying to get the podcast on Spotify now, that does not take away from my love of purchasing physical media. If you believe in buying music like I do, you can follow Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter at Industry Embers and tweet or post your music purchases with the hashtag buymusic, B-U-Y, or it's buymusic, B-Y-E. Now, uh, as far as what is next for the show, as was mentioned in passing with Charlie and Eli, this episode had started out with a different topic, but we had two or three other people that were not available, so we have tentatively rescheduled that. We'll see if we can't get that episode done. I do also have a couple of other musicians that are... uh, waiting to be interviewed for the show. I also, as always, I'm going to have emails out to publicists and emails from publicists to book future guests. So keep an eye out for all that. And like I said, keep an eye on what we hope is uh, increased activity on the social media channels. If there is anything that you would like to see the show do as far as guests or as far as non-podcast content, let us know. Oh, and before I forget, in the realm of non-podcast content, although it's sort of it's related to the podcast, uh, one thing that we're going to try and do in addition to utilizing the Spotify and those tools, I'm going to try and get all of the older episodes uploaded to that channel once it's active. And because this show is all about helping people discover music, right? So... In addition to the songs that are going to be embedded in the episodes, as always, uh, they're also going to be starting to put playlists on Spotify with not only the songs included in the episode, but any of the bands, unless it's controversial bands that I don't want to support for reasons of, of uh, you know, awfulness, as some were mentioned uh, in this episode. But but beyond that, any artist that's mentioned in the show, every episode is going to have a Spotify playlist of not just who we're talking to, if it's a, if it's a interview, but any band or any song that gets mentioned on the show, as long as they're not 
Martin controversy or generally horrible people uh, will be put on a playlist for each individual episode. So keep an eye out for those as well. Uh, once those are created, they will be linked in the description of each episode. I think that that is about it today. I'm going to leave you with a song from Charlie's first concert, which was Black Veil Brides. From the album The Phantom Tomorrow, this is Crimson Skies. Until next time, guys.